Yeah, good morning, everyone. I'm so excited to be sharing both Fill the City and speaking to this moment. We're going to do both. I wrote this message earlier in the week, and then I rewrote it again on Saturday night, and we're going to do both. We're going to speak to the current realities of South Africa over the last year and six months, as well as Fill the City in terms of vision, as well as right now, this moment, what should we do as Christ followers? And I want to try and do that in the next little bit. We did not meet last week, Sunday. It was August. And so this one, we, in all honesty, we might not be meeting next week. I don't know. It's unraveling as we speak. I'm going to speak to it. And so this meeting might go a little bit longer, but there's a lot we've got to do, and I I know that it's right to do this. And so would you trust me, and would you be gracious towards me as we both fill the city and yet at the same time work out how to be light in our city in this current moment? Before we do, can we shift our attention to the screen and watch a video? What is Fill the City all about? What's been going on? Mel, will you show us over there? On the At screen, the beginning please. Of 2017, Common Ground launched a five-year vision to give five gifts to the city of Cape Town. This was birthed from the belief that God loves the people of our great city and wants to fill it with His message, life, and fame. Here's a quick reminder about what those five gifts are. First, we think the best gift we can give to Cape Town is more Christ followers. Imagine what Cape Town would look like full of people who love Jesus and love others. We think the best way to do that is to have healthy and missional churches in as many suburbs around Cape Town as possible. That's the second gift, starting more congregations. Thirdly, we desire to bring hope and positive change to the lives of those marginalized by injustice through our partnership with Common Good. Next, we want to equip every Common Grounder to be catalytic in renewing the culture of Cape Town through their work and civic life. And finally, We know that Common Ground is only a small part of God's church in this big city. So we want to partner with, serve, equip, and learn from other churches through our final gift of church strengthening. Okay, uh, is, is it okay if I'm a little bit in the dark here and you can, we can see the screen nicely? Is that all right? You don't mind my face being a little bit in the dark? That's fine. Um, just... We, we saw it there, but guys, in the last three years, we have planted three churches. We planted a church in Langer. We planted a church in Seapoint. And we planted a church on the M5 near Access Park. Um, come on. That is just unbelievable. Uh, I don't want to create heart, but I, I, I feel like that is our story. Like, I want you to know, if you've been part of this Fill the City campaign, you have played a direct role in literally planting churches three in three years. That is remarkable. I've been in church for over half my life now. That is not how church often goes. Like, uh, maybe you know this, I don't know, but but, uh, this is special, and I want to commend you and say, well done. I was about to stand up here and do announcements. I was going to announce we're going to be doing Holiday Club in the holidays. We were going to... We've got a ladies' event coming up in April. Um, we have got Justice Journey coming up, etc., etc. Right now, I want you to know we're placing everything on pause. The most immediate one is Holiday Club, which was going to be running in the June, um, not the June, the, the, what's this month? March, April holidays. Guys, it just seems unwise uh, to be running with Holiday Club now, to bring a whole bunch of different children from different social settings and different schooling all together in one place where actually we can mix, uh, we can mix germs, basically, and then disseminate them through different social settings. If you think I'm being uh, a little bit paranoid, wait. I will speak to this later. But I just want you to know this is us putting a message out there. We need to take this seriously, and we are adjusting as a church. Um, 
I'll make some more. I'm going to comment quite a lot on COVID-19 a little bit later as part of my message. But I want you to know that this is still a privilege to speak to Full the City today. If you've been tracking with us this year in Common Ground South Penn, we've just finished our, uh, we're working through the book of Mark. We've just finished our Good News at Last series. And I don't know where you find yourself uh, on the news, the Good News spectrum coming today to church. Maybe you've been keeping an eye on the headlines. Maybe you've been following closely our economy and uh, the next economic and political decision. Or maybe, like me, you've been glued to the development of COVID-19 in our culture, asking what does this mean for us. But the reality is there is bad news out there. And the reality is um, bad things happen in life. And bad news sells newspapers. It's true. And I've been trying to work out... If, this, if so much of this engine is not just based on good reporting, but based on selling newspapers, it's a profiting industry, don't, you know, that's what it is, um, how do we get the right information? How do we find out what we, uh, what we know and what we believe is true? And so I've been kind of trying to work out what is the best way to devote my attention to this whilst at the same time staying close and, and focused on Jesus. As a church, we've been asking the question in 2020, uh, what does it look like to become the kind of person that reflects Christ? We are on a journey to become the kind of person that looks like Jesus. We want to live in the ways of Jesus. We want to become like Him in our unique personalities to reflect the character and the nature of Christ. And so this morning, I want to help us as to how do we respond as Christ followers in this moment, in this nation, uh, in this city. Uh, we're going to look at a passage which has traditionally been used as an encouragement, one verse out of that passage, in fact. In fact, I, prob- I think it's probably the second most known Bible verse in all of, uh, in all of the world. Uh, and, but we're going to look at this verse in its context and see what it means to us. I'm speaking about Jeremiah chapter 29, and we're going to be reading from verse 4 to verse 11. That's the most, uh, second most known verse, I think, in all of Scripture. Scripture, I'm going to be speaking from verse 4 all the way through to verse 11. So here's some background. Who was Jeremiah and who were his audience? Well, Jeremiah was a prophet, which means he was a messenger sent by God to speak to God's people. There was hardship uh, in, in the nation of Israel at his time. He was a, a prophet who spoke in very difficult times to Israel, which is why scholars refer to Jeremiah as the weeping prophet. So a bit of an interesting guy to be going to when we're trying to get a little bit excited about vision, but uh, that's what we're going to do. And this section that he wrote was a Jewish letter was written to his people who were living under the d- dominion and the domination of the Babylonian Empire. They are currently in exile. In other words, they are not in Jerusalem in the promised land living the good life. They have been exiled into another nation of Babylon right now where they are there against their will, where they do not want to be. They're in exile, for- forced to leave their homes and settle in a foreign country. At that time, another prophet, he's in, verse, in chapter 28, a man named Hananiah comes to Israel, and he comes and he speaks a different message. He, he brings a bit of fake news to Israel. The message wasn't one of doom and gloom, like we often associate with false prophets, but he preached that God was going to turn things around, and don't worry, in two years' time, everything will be fine. He, he was preaching a message of fake news, that, that essentially would, if all of this crisis would just disappear and people shouldn't worry about it right now. Right now in South Africa, I think we can relate to this. There are currently, I think, three camps. Many are wondering how on earth we're going to deal with what's happening in our nation, both over the last year and six months and over the last 
six days, right? There's these two things we're straddling. Some are living even in fear of what's coming next. Secondly, many like Hananiah put their confidence not in God's grace and sovereignty, but in the turnaround and the relief of Cape Town, thinking soon enough South Africa will turn around, soon enough everything will be fine. And thirdly, we see a third category, and this is where Jeremiah comes in. Jeremiah seems to call God's people to live in a third way, a more beautiful and hopeful way. That's what I want to speak to today. Let's look together, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 4 to verse 11. This is the context of the verse. Thus says the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts is one of God's names in the Old Testament. It can be translated the God of the angel armies. It reflects this sovereign, great, mighty, large, and in charge God, the God of Israel. To all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses Live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters and multiply there. Do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare you will find your welfare. We jump to the next slide there, Mel. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill you to my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Heavenly Father, as we gather around your word, we remind ourselves that we are your children, and you are our Father, and this is your word to us. Lord, would you speak to us? Coach our hearts, coach our minds, coach our lives, we pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, I think this is a really timely text to us. I've got three points that I want to make. And my first one is this, God is in control. God is in control. Verse 4 and verse 11, the book ends of this here, remind us, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare. I've been working my throat a little bit hard this morning. I'm coughing, but I'm Obviously, not. um, It's not out of sickness. It's out of working my throat. You have to. Yeah, yeah. I want to be strong on this. So, note note this: that God does not sugarcoat what is happening. God God does not go with the, the false promises of no hardship. He reminds His people that they are in fact in exile. He reminds His people that He is sovereign and good, even in the midst of their circumstances. The NIV translates this as this: "To all those are carried into exile." The image of God's people being carried into exile is a beautiful image for us to hold into our minds here. Jeremiah's news comes to his people as honest, not fake, difficult to hear news. Instead of pretending, he says facing the facts and placing our hope on God is what we're to do. (coughs) Our hope is built on something more solid than politics and political promises and outcomes. 
Our hope is built on who God is and that God is with us. This passage is bookended by hope. At the start, in verse 4, God has possessioned them in the city. It is I who carried you. At the end, for I know the plans I have for you. This passage is bookended by a God who is saying, I am in control. I've positioned you in the city in this moment. I have carried you there. Number two, I have plans for you. We see this in here. But what is his purpose in the midst of that? What is his purpose in the middle here? Let's read verse 5 to 7 together. Build houses, live in them, plant gardens, eat their produce, take wives, have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. Bloom where you've been planted, so to speak. Do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find welfare. My second point is this. We have an active purpose in our city. We have an active purpose in our city. God is in control. We have an active purpose in our city. Here God wanted people, uh, here people wanted God to try and remove them from the situation. People wanted to hit eject People wanted to stay on the periphery. People wanted to try and wait it out and just kind of bunker down and and wait until everything blew over, so to speak. These instructions must have been so surprising to them. In the face of hardship, it's tempting to want to bunker down and just wait it out, to look after number one, ourselves and our immediate families, to ensure that we have everything we need to weather the stormy climate that is out there. But God expressly seems to call his people to hopeful obedience, to living lives of faith, moving into the city to be beacons of light. And God promises to use them in the midst of their current situation. Let's look closely at what he is saying. Can we leave that scripture up there, please, Mel? Thank you so much. We see some clear instructions here. To build, to live, to eat. There's a purpose for them right now. Right now, build. Right now, live. Right now, eat. (coughs) So I've preached through through this sermon three times this morning in my caravan all alone to myself. And I've done so making my voice hoarse. Um. (coughs) Right. The purpose is to build, to eat, to live, right? It's a right now purpose. But secondly, we see there's a call to sow to the future, to multiply, to sow, to increase, to seek the welfare. Uh, We see that in exile, there's a present uh, purpose and there's a future to be stirred about as well. We are God's people in this moment. Rigby's words to us, we are people who are stirred and not shaken. This is all still true today. But also, we have something more than Israel have. The reality of Jesus is coming. They were looking to Christ coming. We look back on Christ coming and live out what that looks like in our midst. And so we don't live in a geographic promised land. We rather live in the kingdom of God, uh, which is always everywhere now. And we're bringing in the kingdom of God where he has placed us. We've been given eternal life and an ultimate trajectory in heaven. All the peace and all the joy of knowing Jesus. Just think about how right now Christians in our city are uniquely positioned out of everyone else alive you are uniquely positioned. How? Because you've been given eternal life. You've, you know your ultimate trajectory is heaven. Ultimate fear in this moment 
is vanquished for the Christ follower. All peace and joy of knowing Jesus. Right now, the present and powerful hope of the Holy Spirit. But we don't just live waiting for heaven one day. The mandate to the Christ follower is to do on earth as it is in heaven in this moment. We bring God's kingdom where he has placed us. So Jeremiah says, verse 7, our critical verse this morning, Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus in Cape Town over the next few months? We are to seek the welfare of the city in which we've been placed. Friends and family here today, I want to speak quite directly to what I think it means to be a follower of Jesus in this moment. I am a pastor. I'm a leader of a team. I'm not an expert. I'm not a doctor. And I'm not an expert in disease control. But I believe that God has called us as a church to lead in this moment. So if you have access to better experts who tell you differently, listen to them. But I want to make some calls based on the wisdom that we have and the sense that seems to be the prevailing logic to us now. We know in this moment in our city that something is coming. We do not know how bad it will be. With much uncertainty, how do we as a church and the church, we're not just a family. We're a family on mission who, who represents God in the midst of a world. As a church and the church, how do we face it? Well, we must not slip into fear, but we must face it in faith. We will be tempted, and you will be tempted towards two responses. The first response is this, denial. As Christ follows, we do not live in denial. I'm speaking to, obviously, COVID-19 in this moment, uh, the coronavirus. Denial says, don't worry, it will be fine. It's not that bad. It's just like the flu. Friends, COVID-19 is real. It is here. In reality, we went in South Africa in one week from one case to 38. The R coefficient, whatever that means, means that this virus doubles in number of infections every few days. This is serious. It is coming. This is nothing like the flu. This is nothing like the flu. Globally, the stats are that seven out of every hundred cases don't make it. You don't look on Worldometer, that's where you can see it. Seven percent. In some nations, it's much worse, depending on how overwhelming the healthcare system is. These are global facts. They are helpful for us because they need to help us plan. We have not yet seen what this virus can do when it reaches an environment like South Africa. We know this because South Africa is a country that is characterized by high levels of low immunodeficiency, uh, HIV. TB, diabetes, uh, obesity, these are things that characterize many of the people in our nation. Coupled with the amount of people who live in close proximity to one another, without readily available water for hand washing and hygiene, there are many who are living in our nation from hand to mouth right now who cannot afford to just self-quarantine and won't because they are not able to. They need that wage for that day. And so we, we, we read what's happening globally. Then we look at our nation as well. These are the facts. They are our friend. They must help us 
respond. We cannot live in denial. You and I are called in this moment to seek the welfare of the city where God has placed us. We are all in exile. Your true home is heaven. We are exiled here right now, waiting for your true home. Let's be those who lovingly err on the side of caution for the sake of the vulnerable, as opposed to those who wake up too late and regret not having done all we can for the most vulnerable in our city. Secondly, we do not live first in denial. Secondly, we are not to fear and panic or be overwhelmed with anxiety. At the same time, taking, some people will take extreme steps, often to protect themselves and to protect their families, but more often than not being driven by terrible anxiety. And this is going to increase in the coming days. This is not the Christian posture. We do not change our behavior based on fear. Fear and panic cause our hearts to tend towards helplessness and selfishness. It's exactly what happened in the Australian toilet paper crisis, right? <laughs> we tend towards helplessness and we to- tend towards selfishness. Neither of these reflect Christ and neither offer any benefit to the city whose welfare we are called to seek. This passage tells us God is here. You have been placed here for a purpose. One definition of anxiety is imagining the future without Jesus in it. That is not happening in Cape Town. That is not happening in South Africa. COVID-19 will not scare Jesus away. Yes, it's coming. Yes, he will be with us. Both denial and fear will cause us to do nothing or be selfish, and we'll miss our moment to do real good in our city. The third option, (coughs) we are to actively seek the welfare of our city. We need to think of those most vulnerable in our society. I want, us to be very ser- I want to be very serious when I say we need to do all that we can to stop this virus from spreading. And we need to do it now. I'm very open to being wrong. But knowing what we do, surely this is the most loving response. We've got to do what we can. We literally need to change how we interact with people overnight. Please hear me. We need to change how we interact with people overnight. And this is going to be difficult. But given what we see in the world and given what we know of our country and the dynamic that is here, we need to do what is best for the city and the most vulnerable. The stakes are high. So practically, what must we do? What must we do? Number one, wash your hands. I know you've heard this. Wash your hands. Wash your hands frequently, thoroughly, at least 20 seconds. Teach your children. They have to sing happy birthday two times before they finished washing their hands, right? It makes a difference. Learn how to not touch your face. This is really difficult, Right now, all of your faces are starting to get itchy, and you want to touch them. Make it a game at home. We've got to do this. We need to find new ways to greet. The most loving way to greet people right now is by not touching them. Practice social distancing in every setting. If you can work remotely or enable others to do so, please do that. 
if you have been given influence, leverage your influence to change the behaviors of your company, of your children, of your friends, of your office, of your clubs. Teach your domestic worker these same habits, your employees, uh, uh, how to wash hands, how to do these things. Print things above the basin. Do what you can to help people. We're trying to slow down the spread of this thing because the more we slow it, the more, uh, the more our healthcare system will be able to deal with this. Join our WhatsApp broadcast list. Mel, have you got the number there? I'll tell you now why. This is unraveling and evolving every single day. Cabinet is meeting Sunday, today. And, and I don't know what they're going to say. It might be that gatherings over 100. Now, we are, when we're all here, nearly 400 with kids, etc., etc., etc. We are over uh, the, 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 the 100 barrier. I don't know what they're going to say. We may not be able to meet like this next week. But the most real-time, easy way to do this is to sign up on this list. All you do is uh, save that as a contact, and then on WhatsApp, if you're on WhatsApp, just um, send us a thumbs up and, and your name. Just say, thumbs up, my name. And you have to save that on your, yeah, so you just save it as a contact, South Penn, and then send us a thumbs up on WhatsApp. <coughs> honestly, now I'm starting coughing, and, uh, and I want you to honestly know I'm taking that very seriously. And uh, I'm not just going to take light of this. This wasn't here half an hour ago. And so this is serious. Please be responsible. If you or someone in your family has a temperature of 37 and a half degrees or higher or a cough. Now, honestly, just think this is preaching horse throat, but I will watch this. Isolate yourself until I know that I am clear. Prepare for trouble in the coming weeks and months. Yes, I know I sound like a doomsday prophet, guys. We do, not, we do not fear, but we also, because we're secure in Christ, we're able to face the reality in a different way. We must face it, though. Prepare for trouble in the coming weeks and months. This is not a storm, but this is a winter. This is a season. We need not fear it. Please hear me. We need not fear it. But we must prepare and plan as best we can for it. If you're a business owner, give thought to how you could seek the welfare of your city with your business. Maybe you've got something. Rather than profiteering with that thing, you can leverage that for the sake of the city. Try to curb spending and save a little bit. If you're doing contract work, or, or if, for instance, if you're in the service industry as a waiter and you haven't got a fixed income, give some thought to contingencies as to how you can mitigate what could happen over the next weeks and months. We do not fear, but we must be wise. We must plan. L- lastly, I want to say, look after those in the shade of your tree. Keep an eye out for those in your life who could be affected, both health-wise and also financially. Watch out for others and check in on them. Let's be, as Common Ground South Penn, early adopters today. Let's be early adopters today. But then as we're commissioned out into the world, let's be change agents and do all that we can to stop the spread of this thing that is already here. Friends, we know the stakes. Everything tells us when this thing spikes, it's the healthcare system can't cope. If we can slow this thing down, what you're literally doing is you're giving someone else a better chance, hopefully someone else a better chance. The reality is this nation has come to us 
It's, it's, it's people of wealth who've been able to fly globally around the world. But, but ultimately, the place where it's going to be most devastating is not in the realm of the wealthy. It's probably going to be in the realm of the poor. And you and I get to stand in the middle, and we get to slow that thing down. And so I hope I am wrong. But I'm going to stand before you and say, let's do all that we can in this moment to protect those who need protecting. Let's not be people of fear. I'm not afraid. But let's face the facts. Let's act with wisdom and let's do what we can for everyone in our city. We do not live in denial. It's real. It's already here. We do not live in panic and fear, but we are those who seek to the welfare of our city right now. Does that make sense? I don't know. For some of you, 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 you've got to take some time to process this. That's okay. I've, the, the, I've been immense in it this weekend. It's been, it's been me wrapping my brain around this and, and only catching up to where I'm landing now over this last weekend. Finally, my last point. Here we go. We are a people of hope. God says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Or how about this New Testament version? Look at Romans 15. I pray that God, the source of hope, God, the source of hope. No, no, I, I, I thought our politicians were our source of hope. I thought finally Ramaphosa was going to come in and Zuma was going to go and then, no, no, then uh, everything was going to change, you know? Or, or, or maybe uh, the, the, the economic situation, etc. And, and then, I, then I could, no, no, no. Pray that God is the source of our hope. We as Christ followers have a more stable hope than economics or politics or any of these things. The source of our hope is far more stable. It is God himself. And he can fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust him. This is what it means to be a Christ follower in this moment. We have a real, tangible, present with us, eternal hope. And it's our moment to overflow that into our city. In every Christ follower, in all of our churches, in every congregation we plant, in every one of us who works in the city and goes out into the marketplace, we get to overflow a genuine, stable, secure in God hope into the world in which he has sent us. We are the people around the bra and the water cooler, although that might change in the coming weeks, in our kids' schools who, who radiate hope into our world because God is our source. We're not primarily dictated to by economics and headlines and rumors and fear, but by the kingdom work which God has called us to in our city. We can look at the brokenness of our city, we can look at the trouble, and we can hear the voice of God speak louder to us, and in a secure way, engage and fill the city. And I think it's a beautiful place to be in, to be honest. It's God's grace to us. It, we are forced to rely on Him in this moment now in ways we haven't yet. And God is going to come through in your life and mine. And you and I get to be light in the world in which we've, sent, uh, we've been sent into by Him. I want to I look at, just let's look back on the faithfulness of God before we step out into our world. This last year, one Sunday in October, here's a story that came out of one of our congregations through For the City. Will you shift your attention to the screen and let's blast this one, Dirk. Each time we say yes to God, He takes a simple step of obedience and multiplies its impact as only He can do. 
in 2009 in response to God's call to plant this church deeper into our culture and wider into our city. Common Ground launched the Inner City Congregation. Little did we know then that act of faith would become a catalytic force that would see Common Ground become 11 congregations by 2020. Throughout the journey, we've marveled at how when individuals say yes to the big as well as the seemingly small, it results in ongoing outward ripples of His grace and goodness to more and more lives across our city. One of those lives is Malibongwe, who was staying in the shelter across the road from the inner city congregation. He was unemployed and unable to provide for his family. One Sunday, he joined a meeting and was introduced to a loving community of Christ followers. They put him in touch with Common Good, the NGO that Common Ground founded to respond to social justice needs in our city. He signed up for their work readiness course, which restores dignity and hope and equips the unemployed with the skills they need to enter the marketplace. After graduating, Malibongwe met Nomfundo, a Common Grounder working at Common Good to help connect graduates to meaningful work opportunities. She set up an interview and Malibongo was hired as a groundsman for the Rondebosch Common Ground Campus. Having a stable job made a significant difference in his circumstances and we now see his faith in action as he consistently gives his best and is always ready to serve others with a broad smile. Malibongwe is just one life that has been impacted by our efforts to fill the city through multiplying congregations and multiplying compassion and justice. And now, Malibongwe joins us in serving others in the city. One of the ways he serves is through his work in preparing the Rondebosch Baptismal Pool for Baptism Sundays. It is here that his story once again intersects with Nomfundo's. Many years before, Nomfundo's grandfather had asked her when she would be baptized. She visited him when he was 96, and his lifetime of faithfulness freshly ignited Nomfundo's heart and reminded her that we are never too mature for simple acts of obedience. The next Sunday, inspired by her grandfather's question, she was baptized in the pool prepared by Malibong. In that same baptism pool, on the same Sunday, two young sisters, Eva and Nina, aged 9 and 11, also made their public declarations of faith. Just as God had been stirring Nomfundo's heart, he had also been at work in theirs. Through the efforts of a praying mom, playing her part, they had been invited to cross the line of faith and follow Jesus through the waters of baptism. On the sidelines supporting them stood youth ministry volunteers, men and women who delight in introducing children to Jesus and nurturing the faith of young believers, the next generation of Christ followers, church planters, and city changers. Gareth, a deacon, was also in the baptismal pool that day, serving his local congregation by baptizing and praying with people. Today, however, Gareth and his family have stepped out on mission and are filling the city as part of our latest church plant on the M5. We were trusting that many people will come to faith, be baptized, and go on to serve God and advance His kingdom in their sphere of influence. Each of these individual stories are beautifully linked to one baptismal pool on one Sunday in just one of our congregations. If we could zoom out, just imagine what we'd see God doing in baptism pools across all our congregations. And through each small step of obedience, every act of kindness and contribution from thousands of common grounders across the city, 
each playing their part in filling homes, churches, communities, workplaces and schools with the message, life and fame of Jesus. Amazing video, hey? Every year we ask people to sow into this great vision and uh, and then sometimes for me, I'm often the one that has to do it and I sit and feel bad to sit and talk about money in church again and ask for money. I want you to know when I see that, I, it's, this is good. We get to take money and turn it into ministry. Take something small like money and turn it into something massive like life change. This is what it's about. How did we spend uh, money uh, the, for the city money in 2019? What did we do? Again, I've cut so much of this because I wanted to speak to COVID-19. But how did we plant and multiply and move into our city in 2019? In 2019, we moved into the neighborhood of Lange. We planted a church in, in Lange for the first time, one of Cape Town's most beautiful suburbs. And, and, uh, and that church is growing and it's flourishing. And I can't help but think it gives us a way, even in this moment in our city, to bring influence in that suburb we did not have a year ago. How are we planting crops? Well, in collaboration with our schools project like Dyser Primary in Bonteheuvel, we're working with the school at all levels of government, at teaching, at mentoring, uh, government, governance in the school, you know, uh, coaching and teaching of teachers. Here's one stat. In grade six maths in this school in Daza Primary went from an average of 19.7% to 62%. Now that is outperforming the national average, bearing in mind it is a non-fee paying school. This is staggering. It's literally happening in schools as we get to take this, again, take a simple thing like money and convert it into something powerful like ministry. Uh, How have we multiplied in this great city? By serving other churches we've multiplied as we generously are able to uh, mentor and equip and empower local pastors in townships. As we've given away resources We've laid an opportunity for people's lives to be changed. Mali Bongwe was one of 703 graduates who went through the TZN course last year, most of whom have been connected to meaningful employment from op- uh, opportunities, many of whom even come from Ocean View. It's incredible. Incredibly, 84 people who did TZN last year also gave their lives to Christ as they not only found work, but they found Jesus as well. When we started Fill the City, early life was just a research project. I struggled to stand up here and articulate uh, the fact that we actually need to spend money to discover what this is all about. But we've done the research, and now it's being rolled out. A hundred churches have taken the early life program and are rolling it out in their communities. It's been incredible. Here's one example of a church rolling this out in Hanover Park as we see the fruit of the research. Early life is the first thousand days from conception until a thousand days later. And, and the critical thing is is that the, 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 the little developing child gets everything that child needs in order to flourish. This is an example from Hanover Park of something we've set up through Fill the City. So welcome to Hanover Park, the community that I grew up with that shaped me, a um, large part of who I've become, and never in my wildest dreams thinking that I would be back here 30 years later. 
um, in this community. This building behind me here is very special to me. This is where my love for reading um, and studying was developed and honed. Um, you'll see across the road here we have the baby clinic. Then we have the um, day hospital and the MOU, which is where the, um, the pregnant moms would be attending the antenatal clinics. We also have the taxi rank right here and the bus uh, terminus right behind us. So as you can see, this building is really strategically placed right at the centre of this community. Um, it is also a safe space for moms to come to and this, it services from young to old. And it's a beautiful space. Let me just take you in and show you uh, where we hold our classes every Tuesday. And moms are quite, quite happy to come here and experience the joy of antenatal and postnatal. This beautiful, um, really cosy space uh, was made available to us and we're able to do our sessions here in peace, in comfort and in safety. Many people don't want to come and work in this community or service this community because of the reputation of being gangsterism and drug infected area. But the um, reality is that the need is here. Um, there's a lot of brokenness in this community and work really needs to be done here. So I've come in despite the risks because the need is greater and the wonderful support of the people that are really working here has been incredible um, and the librarians particularly, they've really been proactive in um, recruiting moms for our cause. They advertise here, um, they approach the moms here and that's really incredible. And when you're touching one mom, when you are making a difference in her life, uh, it is not only she that is impacted, or the unborn child, but the rest of the family as well. Um, her children, her husband, um, the extended family, and also the community around her. And I'm so hopeful for the future of this community, one class at a time. Is it, it's not. Uh, I switched it off the wrong way. Guys, this is our story. We have been a part of setting up uh, antenatal classes in Hanover Park. I've never been in Hanover Park, but I know that there's lives that are being changed there because of what we're doing as families and as Christ followers in here. We're translating our gospel resources into Tosa and into French. We've launched the M5 congregation. We'll continue to strengthen Langer and Seapoint as well. We've just finished writing a seven-week course on how to integrate your faith into your work and empowering us to work in different ways in the city as Christ followers. With Advance, we're piloting a church planters group specifically designed to aid pastors who are in under-resourced areas with regards to how they can plant churches. We've paid for two pastors um, from Kailicha to be able to do the ACPC course, which is the same course that Lauren and I did before we got ready to come in and to bring leadership into this community here. This is changing lives. Full the City is making stuff happen. I love it. There's loads more, but we've, been, we've had a full meeting. Can I stop there? Yeah, okay, great. Well, most of us are saying yes. In a second, I'm going to lead us to a moment where you can give some thought to what pledging looks like. Just remember Mike Massingham's words. 
you've got to read where you're at now. A lot's changed in the last few weeks. And so I want to give you a license to think. But at the same time, we've also committed to charging a hill, knowing what we knew three months ago. Uh, and we, 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 we've made commitments, and we're going to roll with this as best we can. And so before we go to a pledge moment, can we have a look at the screen? And uh, we're going to get some more info there. It's a short video, and then I'll speak to us further. Three years into the Fill the City vision, we have seen God move in incredible ways in each of the five gifts to Cape Town. Through the generosity of common grounders across our city, thousands of people's lives have been touched by the transforming message of Jesus Christ. We are so grateful to every single person who has faithfully sown into the vision that God gave us to multiply Christ followers, congregations, compassion and justice, cultural renewal and church strengthening. In 2019, we saw 4.8 million rand pledged and more than 5.1 million given of the 6 million we aimed to raise. It is inspiring to see the generosity of common grounders and to go over our pledged amount is a celebration. In 2020, we want to continue to give our city these five gifts. We are looking to raise 6 million rand towards this vision over and above our regular committed giving. Of the 6 million rand, half goes towards gift three as common good continues to multiply God's compassion and justice across our city. And three million rand goes towards the other four gifts, as common ground continues to multiply Christ followers, congregations, cultural renewal, and church strengthening. If you would like to see more details on exactly where each amount goes, you can have a look at the back of your handouts. Just over a million rand of this has already been pledged by a small group of common grounders who've committed to partnering with us as we seek to love and serve our city through giving her five gifts. On the front of your pledge cards, you will see how to give. We'd love for you to prayerfully and joyfully consider now what God is stirring you to sow into these five gifts in 2020. If you are already giving towards For the City and would like to continue doing so, please still complete a pledge card to help us plan accordingly and steward these finances correctly. Please remember to use the reference code at the bottom of the card, which is specific to your congregation. Please also remember there is a unique bank account for Fill the City. This is different to the bank account that you use for your regular committed giving. All of the details are on the handout, which we encourage you to take home and keep praying for this vision throughout the year. Today, Hundreds of common grounders across Cape Town will make their pledge to help fill our city with the message, life, and fame of Jesus Christ. Okay, last things before we move there. If I can invite the band up here. I want you to know this. Uh, in a second, we're going to get an opportunity to pledge. But the Bible makes allowance for all of us in the room. The Bible shows us the case of the widow who gave her small coins, because that's what she have, she had, and she gave that to the mission of God. On the other side, we see there's some of us with a Romans 12 gift of giving who commanded to do so generously as their act of service, and we know that there are countless people in between. Scripture says this, no one should ever give reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Please do not feel any undue pressure in this moment. Can I say that again? Please don't feel any pressure in this moment. That said, I'm convinced that we can all do something to make this a reality. Read where you're at. Do it prayerfully. Do it in faith. I'm going to invite the band to tinkle a little bit of music. There are enough pens that no one else needs to touch your pen. That's intentional. That's intentional. This is a big deal to us. 
Um, if you do not have a pen or a pledge card, there's an op there, there are.